Okay, we are back for part two of singleness, and we have our two guest speakers, Jan. Hey, Jan. Hey. And we also have Josh. Hello. Yeah, if you are just tuning into this episode, maybe go back and listen to the first episode uh, from last week. It will make a lot more sense to you. Continuing on from last week's episode about singleness, um, I've got a question for you guys, um, you and, well, Josh and Jan, because last week you shared how you enjoy singleness, how, for the sake of the listeners and for myself, um, (laughs) how can you be content in singleness? Like, how do we get there if if possible, that is. I'll ask Josh first. Okay. Uh, so I think I mentioned, like I hinted towards it last week where I said that I've got a really introverted temperament. So for me, like I naturally gain energy and enjoy being by myself anyway. That's how I, it's how I, um, it's, 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 it's the mode that I'm the most comfortable in. So socializing, meeting with people, even if it's people that I'm very, very familiar and comfortable with, it's still going to be a little bit draining. Um, so for me, being single is uh, is aided, as in being unmarried, is in a sense aided by the fact that I I, I don't, well, I, I naturally don't need to be around people a lot anyway. It's not that I don't need people at all, but um, as in energy-wise and emotionally, I'm, I'm very, very comfortable when I'm by myself. Uh, whilst I still desire uh, marriage, though, so I still desire to be in a spousal relationship. Um, but I think the fact that I'm single doesn't get compounded with a extroverted temperament or need to be around lots of other people as well. So I think if I was in that kind of position, then I, I think I'd find it a lot more difficult to be um, to, to, to not just be single, but to enjoy my singleness as well. But I think yeah, temperament means my temperament means like I'm able to enjoy my time by myself, and so um, using using the ability, well, having the ability to, to use my own space and design it in, in the way that I do, uh, be able to cook for myself, um, be able to, to read read what I want to read, enjoy the shows that I want to watch as well. Um, I guess that's like, not even, they're, they're not even so much coping mechanisms for, for not having a spouse. It's more actually, I, I, I have the freedom to enjoy it in that sense. And I, I make the most of it at that point. Wow. It sounds like, sounds a bit selfish, Josh. In a sense, it is like so. So, like, I think when people say I'm picky, I think part of that pickiness is that I I want to find someone that is uh, more compatible with the kind of lifestyle that I've already uh, engineered and and grown um, naturally for myself anyway. So, the the life that I'm living right now is it selfish? Well, in a sense, yes. But in a sense, it's like, well, I've got no one else to live for. <laughs> so, so like, is that is that enforced selfishness, or is it just nat- natural, um, natural? How do I put this? I, I I have to naturally live in a way that is orientated around me because there's no one else to orientate it around. Instead, um, I'd like there to be someone else that I could orientate uh, my life around, but they don't exist yet. Compatible, you said. Surely, then, like. Are you saying similar life life choices type of thing? 
certainly Could... similar in, in in certain regards. Yeah, like in terms of. But surely, what? surely God can use someone who is different to you to refine you. Yes, and if God is going to have me fall in love with that person then i'll be very very happy to enjoy that relationship well until that happens then it's i I won't necessarily be be looking or searching for a relationship that is going to be uh very very uncomfortable or unnatural uh for me um i i think there are i think i think there's ways to understand marriage or searching for someone whilst you're single in a way where you you be you're trying to be wise about who it is that you want to find, and part of that wisdom is I think Jan mentioned it last week as well. It's it's, it's understanding who you are first. What makes you tick? What are your values? What are, what are your preferences? And I think a big part of then um, enjoying singleness is then developing those natural um, values, those natural gifts, to the point where you can exercise them both for your own growth, but also for the service of others. And out mm-hmm. of that, then have a better picture of who 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 would then make a wise partner within that life, that lifestyle, that life choice, that life vision, that life value. Um, so, the the kind of desire for marriage, I think, has to be born out of understanding that it's not a marriage of just, just someone coming into your life, but you being in a relationship with that person. Therefore, them having to relate to you as well, and therefore you having a good understanding of who you are first, and therefore being able to enjoy singleness is a big part of pre- not just pre- not just preparation, but I think ready. Well, yeah, preparation in terms of readiness um, for a uh, healthy marriage, and that's not necessarily a happy marriage, but a healthy marriage where communication occurs, where knowing um, how the other person ticks. Wow. So it sounds like you need to enjoy singleness in order to prepare for marriage. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not, not, not as a strict rule, but I, I think common sense kind of points a little bit towards that more general uh, conclusion, I guess. Because um, if you don't know what you like, then how are you going to be able to express um, how someone else can serve you as well? And if you have no desire for you to develop your your own self as well, then how are you going to be able to help someone else develop in their in, in themselves as well? Because it still sounds like you're still aiming for marriage, then, doesn't it? I'm aiming for growth. Okay. And I like I'm, that. I'm, I'm aiming for a for the release or the development of the potential that God has given me, and for the release of potential for anyone that God places into my life, where I'm where I'm in a position to cultivate and help them develop their potential as well. And that requires a lot of uh, exploration and discovery of both self and the other. But God doesn't promise that everybody will have a spouse god does not promise a soulmate to everybody the one or whatever you want to call it i don't think he promises the one to anyone Mm. well jesus is the one but (laughs) but i think i think see because from what you just said josh i i kind of yeah i can see your point but i can also see that it just sounds a bit like get yourself healthy 
And then, you know, when you do find someone, it will be okay. Like, it'll be good. But I think, personally, I, I know from experience that not everyone has been promised a spouse. Like, like people keep telling me, oh, Anzi, you're going to get, you're going to be fine. You're going to find someone. Da, 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 da. There's no guarantees that that's going to happen. In fact, I just need to know how to glorify God, whatever the circumstances, whatever the season I'm in, to be content in, in all seasons and to still serve him faithfully. That's that's what we're called to do. Yeah, and I don't think that what I'm, what I'm saying in terms of trying to understand yourself and then working out how to live your life in a way where you can then leverage your singleness in a way that's satisfying and, and, and comfortable and content, contentful as well, is, is a means to the end of then preparing for a healthy marriage. I think, it's, it, I think, it, is, a, I think it is an end in itself um, without the assumption that we will all be married. So I completely agree with you in, in that God doesn't promise that each of us will get a spouse. But I think what God asks of all of us is for us to is for us to serve mm. is for us to tend to the garden is for us to glorify m- him put precise, him first exactly yeah. exactly and and for some of us well and for some of us who well, no, and for, so for all of us who are in that mode of singleness i think working out how we do that within the current mode of singleness without expectation of marriage mm. is an important thing but i think as a natural as a natural, let's say, byproduct or a natural um, consequence of um, developing that single, well-lived singleness out is then a preparation for marriage if it ends up occurring. Yeah, and what do you think? I think I have a question for Josh. You'll do. So, um, so for someone and maybe it could be a guy oh it could be a girl and you know and for people who do strive seek for a relationship or a spouse and it's they're not getting there yet and it's not looking likely or it's just like not looking like as if it's happening how would you advise them to deal with that singleness and that potential mismatch of what they want and what is happening in life for them oh man i don't sound like an agony aunt responding (laughs) (laughs) i think think it's a good question because the thing is there will be people who are there are people there are people who are struggling with this where they desperately want to be in a relationship or to be married, but there's no one in sight. And right. the age is getting, is getting you know, the better of them, maybe location, geography, circumstances, whatever. And so somewhere, somewhere in their journey, they're going to have to face that. How, 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 I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm not going to suggest that you're there, but how do you suggest that they face that? So I don't, I, don't, I don't think I want to respond to this in the way where I, I, I'm giving this like straight advice. But I think what might be helpful is for me to kind of describe it from, from my own experience of yes. how I've gotten through or rather how I've reconciled or dealt with that, that tension. Because yeah. 
I think the, the position you're, the situation you're describing is not too dissimilar from mine, as in circumstantially. Like, I'm in my mid 30s, I'm single, I've dated, but I still, des- I've, I've, I've dated, none of them have been successful, sorry, none of them have led towards marriage. I'd say they've been successful in helping me work out whether that person would be a wise choice for me or not in getting married too. So, in that sense, I think those relationships have been successful. But I am now in a situation where I desire marriage, I am single, but yet I'm content. So, how do I, how have I then kind of worked out, not worked out, but how, how do I then not so much defend, but explain how each of those three elements then holds in, 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 can exist in the same space or in the same person, I guess. Um, so I think last week I described how there was that period um, back in my twenties when I had friends around me who were all getting uh, uh, married all within a very short space of a few years um, with, with each other. And so th- th- those experiences of, um, of, of very regularly being put into experiences where I observe lots of people paired up with each other, um, uh, visibly very, very happy and enjoying uh, their new marriages as well. Um, that for me was an emotionally difficult time. But I think over the years, I've then had to kind of, not so much, well, yeah, deconstruct, but also like separate out and distinguish what is it about my current circumstances that I've been happy, that I'm actually happy with and I'm unhappy with. So I think everything I've just described in terms of like this ability to enjoy my own space, this ability to des- design or like a- a- arrange the-, the furniture in my flat in a way that I, I-, I like it, <laughs> in- the ability to cook the dish that I want to eat. That's something that I've learned that now that is actually a very, very good thing. I get to enjoy that. It's a freedom that I get to enjoy in that sense. Now, when I say freedom, I don't mean that I'm free of a spouse. I mean, I'm free to then make that choice there. For a spouse, they have the freedom to then, let's say, cook for their 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 husband or cook for their wife or or to understand how how can i um serve this person well oh by cooking them their favorite meal they they have a freedom within that particular circumstance to enjoy life that way so it's not that the spouse is less free their freedom is to do other things which results in different kind of satisfactions for me i get to enjoy my singleness in a way that i i i am satisfied within this kind of mode here then when it comes so when it comes to then trying to separate out the emotional side of things, it's it's why for me like understanding that I am introverted has helped me to realize that although I desire a spousal relationship, there's a tension there. So there's a there's a there's an energy pulling me in, in that in that direction there. But that's different from me feeling lonely. Because I can solve that loneliness, or I've been able to solve that loneliness by having lots by by staying uh, very well connected to some very, very close friends. So I've got a few close brothers, uh, not not blood brothers, like spiritual brothers, that I'm talking to very, very often, and it's through that, it's through those conversations, it's through those those very, very close friendships that it feeds a, a side of my need to to communicate and to 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 talk to someone and to to share my emotions, to share my concerns, concerns, to vent sometimes when I need to as well, and hopefully for also for me to provide the same. Um, kind of relationship and service to them as well so i've been able to let's say like take out that part of of a dynamic that might exist within a within a spousal relationship and place the burden of that need onto a different kind of relationship instead i still get fed in that same way it's just i've never separated out I still want a spousal relationship, but in the mean in the meantime, though, I've been able to work out and like by having these close brothers and, and family around me, 
how I can still feed the my relational needs in ways that sure can't be met by a spouse by a spouse right now, but nonetheless can be served by people who who love me in a non-spousal way, but nonetheless love me. But you investing in those friendships, that's only a short period of time. That's not there is no sense of them chipping away and and you know sharpening you all the time like a spouse would you can only get so much from friends actually because your accountability with your friends stops at some point when the moment you stop sharing with them or they don't have time for you um because maybe they have to put their kids first but i think for me I also can see you as a person, Josh, that you are male. So there is less of kind of the time aspect, I've, I feel, compared to as a woman. Because time, should you get married, um, you can actually still start a family in your 40s, in your 50s. You can still manage to start a family. But as for a woman that window of opportunity may, you know, get smaller and smaller as time passes. And that's not just energy. I'm talking like, you know, biologically now, um, being able to, you know, have, have a healthy, fertile egg ready. But, but I also know that women tend to, I don't know, maybe, maybe just women are more emotional and you want to have that emotional connection on a much deeper level that, yes, some friends can help you um, and you can get that fed. You know, you can you can get that fulfillment from friendships, but there is still the lack of companionship and accountability until death do you part. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I say that I still desire a spousal relationship. But that desire and the lack of its presence in my life right now, for for me in particular, hasn't doesn't then mean that it outweighs the contentment that I'm currently enjoying as a single person. Now I know that sounds that doesn't sound like it's possible, but I think I, I think what I'm trying to say is that it's even though it's not easy all the time. For me, I've I, I, in my experience, it's possible and quite feasible to 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 enjoy a single life that still desires marriage and yet at the same time isn't, let's say, emotionally overwhelmed or emotionally in constant awareness of the need for marriage. Um, now, that's why I, I didn't want to kind of say anything early on as advice, as if this state of being is possible to achieve for everyone just through training i actually recognize that a lot of what makes them this possible for me is is actually just my uh my temperament Mm, yeah and so i think temper individual temperament individual circumstance individual upbringing individual even 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 individual availability um of friends like how many friends are actually accessible to you and how how easy is it for you to contact those friends whether they're married or single or, or doesn't doesn't matter and for you to be able to enjoy satisfying relationship 
um, that kind of just feeds those relational needs to some extent. I think it's very, very individual at that point. And so for me, like, I, I know, well, I don't want to say that I'm like a, like, I'm a, I'm a minority case, but I know that at least for my particular mix of temperament, circumstances, friendships that exist, upbringing, it means that I'm lucky, well, let's say lucky enough to live in a circumstance, personal circumstance right now that is quite happy with singleness and is happy to carry on waiting for a spouse. And I think that kind of then leads me like to this point where for me, when I, even though I desire a spouse, when people say that I'm picky, I think what I'm trying to do is I, I, I'm giving myself the freedom to then wait for someone that I love and then get married to them. So thankfully, my economic circumstances, my social circumstances means mean that I have the freedom to marry for love rather than for another reason, such as economically or politically or socially. Yeah, what do you think? Um, so I go back to, to the question that was asked. Yes. Um, I think the question was, is the question was the question was how how are you able to be happy in your single loss? Yes, not the question. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I think a, a myriad of ways. Um, uh, I think I'll start off with the with the external stuff first. So, so I try to so I try to have um, a meaningful life in terms of. Um, in, you know, including things that I enjoy, i.e., you know, ho- you know, hobbies that that I enjoy doing. So I recently got back into playing the piano, and I um, I'm getting into jogging, as is Ansi, by the way. Um, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying. We're both we're both using the Couch to Five K app. Um, so I do quite a lot of exercise because um, I love the endorphins that it gives me. I have a purpose in my work. Um, I ensure that I see my family um, uh, quite a bit in the week because I, I, you know, I require kind of their support and just hanging out with them. Um, I pre-lockdown, um, I saw my uh, brother's family and nephews quite a lot, and I try to work towards um, achievements. Um, so in terms of like kind of external stuff um that you know those those are things that are important to me and that I that I make sure that I have in my life and I enjoy my freedom and independence but I think what is more I think what is more important I think in enjoying my singleness and being content in my singleness is knowing that I'm valuable or worthy on my own and that Mm. I'm complete on my own without without another person um and and that being being with another person or in a relationship or marriage or whatever, it doesn't it doesn't mean that my life will instantly be better or more complete or anything like that. I don't I don't actually believe that. Um, I think being in a relationship or, or in, in a marriage is actually a bonus to my life. Um, but I think the thing that's the most important and I think that the thing that's really key to me being content in my singleness is knowing that I'm that I'm that I'm complete on my own yeah and that I have within my control the ability to 
to evoke happiness or fulfillment by you know by doing all the things that I've just said um and I think also about being I think it's it's really key to be self-aware about you know what is it what is it that that makes you makes you happy and content versus to what makes you spiral and what makes you low or unhappy um that's really key yeah I completely agree with you there because um I think for me when I am content in my singleness is because I am being fulfilled in you know I have an outlet I have something that I'm finding enjoyment doing serving God um being around the people that I love like my friends and family but I'm also reminded that yeah in Colossians 2 it does say that you are also complete through your union with Christ we are made complete in Christ um but so my suggestion and advice to other people that are struggling with singleness is to find that outlet. So yes, you might be in the prime time of your life, you know, biologically you might want to be you might want to have sex, okay? Let's not dodge that. Um and yet society around us, you know, the shows that we watch, it's so sex driven there's so much like sexuality and and maybe for some individuals they struggle with porn like that then also becomes part of that idolatry um so maybe you're in the life stage where you're in the prime of your you know biologically you're meant to be procreating right now um but i also know that at this moment in time your outlet though you can't fulfill it you can't you know be one flesh with someone uh currently you can still use that energy to exercise to to be active um in your communities and be you know the force of change and help others um but at the same time get yourself healthy at this time because that issue will keep coming surfacing unless you surrender it unless you come before god um and deal with it but but yeah different outlets would is always a good one um having having things to do um and yeah like what jan was saying when you are spiraling you need to know what your triggers are you need to know is it because oh i'm just bored it's it's a saturday night and i'm by myself and I've got nothing to do. In which case, bring someone. Um, I think. I mean, I think the other thing that's really key is to not put a relationship or a marriage on a pedestal. That that in either state, the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm. And I think it's really, really important to remember this um, because marriage is a lot of work. Um, and I'm sure Ben can attest to that. Um, it's a lot of work, and there's lots of difficulties in, in it. Um, you're all, you're trying to become one with another person, and in some cases, with a lot of other little human beings. Um, so don't don't think that it's you know that is a, a better a better life to what you have now. 
um, because it might not be. Yeah, and like some, sometimes like, I kind of wonder whether God kept me single because he realizes that I would suck in that situation. Like I would just <laughs> not be able to serve, serve the other person. I would, not, I would not be a good family man as a husband or, or a father of everyone. And so he said, okay, no, just, I'm just going to give you lots of gifts to be single so you, you don't desire marriage enough to, uh, to, uh, to want to pursue it on your own, on your, on your own terms. I mean, I say that in jest, but I think the other thing about it is also um, we – we we also don't really have a, a, a an understanding of in our culture of lamenting our singleness, and I know that we're kind of, well for the for the for the host. I know we're we're, we're touching on things on the aspects that are um, going to be coming up later on uh, as well. But I, I think when it comes to talking about singleness and this kind of question we've raised before of like people asking us why are you still single, if we like if if, if we if we don't desire to get married, then fine, then that question becomes defended and muted there but if actually we do desire singleness then each one of those questions or each one of those times when we ourselves in our low in those lonely moments real re- remember well realize that we do want to be married we do want to be with someone right now because it hurts right now then rather than channeling those energies towards either trying harder to get married or I think even worse to let's say wallow in those emotions, which I think would actually just create even more difficulty in that situation, is to bring the idea of lament and grieving within that space. So to actually realize in that moment that I, I do desire to have this this deeper deeper level of intimacy with someone else, and yet I don't have it right now, and because of it, I don't feel complete. And of course, like what we discussed last week, there is there is a, a, a biblical understanding where that idea of close, intimate relationship is something that we were designed for. And when we don't have it, that is something to lament. And so I think another way that single people can kind of perhaps um, help themselves, not out of their singleness, but within their singleness, is to grieve about it, is to pray about it, but not, not, not pray so much for a spouse. So not praying for a solution to the problem, but praying out of a, a very, very honest and authentic awareness that I am not happy and content right now, God. Can you be with me in that state of discontentment and out of that lament? I, I think there is a spiritual process there that kind of uh, helps us to um, not so much diminish, but to, in some sense, accept and carry on leaving the process of finding a spouse firmly within God's hands rather than allowing our emotions to eventually get the better of us where we start to take things into our own hands instead. Have you done that, Josh? Lament my, lament my singleness? I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I, I mean, as in, I lament it at the right times, not mm. that I'm this in constant state of, <laughs> like, why God am I like, like it's not, it's not, it's not this, this like perpetual state of, 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 um, grief, but I think it's grief when there is an awareness of brokenness. So I think lockdown has been one of those periods when I think a lot of us singles have been very aware of not so much our unmarriedness, but of our loneliness because there is no one around us yeah forget spouse not even your friends are around you anymore and so we've got to so 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 my lament during lockdown hasn't just been about the fact that i'm unmarried it's about that i'm alone Mm. but unless i've been able to lament that 
I can't get through it in a in a, I can't get through it in a healthy way, and I can't come out of it in a way where my emotional relationship to my situation becomes um, changed in a way that is unhealthy on the other side of it. So learning how to lament our singleness when we need to is something I think is a, is a skill. I mean, I, 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 I again, I've, I've not been very helpful in kind of describing what that really means. How do you lament your singleness? What should result as a, what should result after that? It, it's, I think I'm still learning to do that. But realizing that for so many of us, singleness is something that we are discontent with right now. Our unmarriedness is something that we're discontent with right now. We then need to learn to treat that as another part of our brokenness and lament it as much as we do anything else that's broken in our lives. I think, I think, yeah, I like, I, I agree with you there, Josh, and I'm still learning about what it means to lament well about singleness. Um, and I think it does boil down to coming before God and spending time with him and seeking him first. Um, cry out to him, moan to him, complain to him if you have to. Um, but, but I think, our God really does care for us and yeah. our God does want to have that close relationship with us to, for us to know him and for us to know, well, sorry. And uh, for him to, for us to know that we have, we have been known by God as well, though we don't have an earthly person. So lockdown, lockdown as a single person, what has been some challenges of your singleness during lockdown? Let's ask Jan. Jan, you live by yourself? Um, there's not been that many, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I think, I think the only one that is totally limited and I can't do is dating. Um, so, so I'm on a couple of like online dating websites and a lot of the time they're not they're not in the same city as I am so anyway so so part, so if I connect with someone then I I have to think about logistics about traveling to them or them traveling to me and meeting up and stuff that totally has completely gone out the window um during lockdown and I've basically given up on that um so but other than that um I'm not sure that 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 there's too much um, I still see my parents because they're in my support bubble and they live half a mile away from me. Um, I think that's it, really. Before the support bubbles happened yeah. in June, you you were by yourself, yeah? Yes. And how yes. was that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... Is that difficult? It was weird when it first started, the whole lockdown thing, I was on the phone or on video chat a lot more than I had been pre-lockdown. And actually I was virtually more sociable than before. So it didn't feel like as if I'd lost my social network or my community because I was just on the phone all the time. Um, it did drive me bonkers that I basically wasn't seeing anybody. And actually at the time I wasn't working either. Um, but I felt, I think I felt that I got that social connection through the whole phones and video chat stuff. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. 
Yeah. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I think was, I think all of us kind of in the first few weeks and maybe first couple of months of lockdown, that's when everyone started learning how to use Zoom. And we <laughs> yeah. were like, Zoom suddenly wasn't just a place, because I was using Zoom before, but suddenly it wasn't just a place where I was conducting meetings for work. It was also the place where I was meeting my uh, my life group, like my, my house group from church. It was the place where I was meeting my family uh, for our for our catch ups, it was the place where I was I was then I was then talking to friends and so suddenly, like, uh, and even for like my family before I was just calling them individually up to have a voice voice call, but because of lockdown, suddenly we were like dialing each other during our meal times, and or talking to each other whilst eating our own meals in our in our own places. So like so, I think we all kind of like found the space and the time and perhaps the necessity, the emotional necessity to just find these ways to stay connected socially um, using online means. I think that that helped me a lot. Um, my church helped me a lot as well. Actually, I think that just being able to um, be with a community that although was meeting up virtually we still stuck together as a community that was meeting up geographically close uh, there was still there was still geographically close to each other as well so there was i think there was the regularity of that community meeting up every sunday and every tuesday mm. uh, as well that 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 regularity um brought a lot of was very very helpful for me and i know i know for a lot of others in my uh, in this community as well so i think the the idea of the local church uh, providing that consistency of community and, and the contact um, was something that I know I found very helpful, and I think a lot of others found very helpful as well um, dur- during lockdown. But I think, as, of course, as time's gone on, like all of those online things of dialing up family and, and friends, I, I think oh, we've probably all seen a marked decrease um, in that. Um, and so, for me, like, I think that yeah, the, the challenges were like all just all those hours of being by myself so not again not that I was aware that I didn't have a spouse but that I was aware that I I couldn't meet up with my with with my fat with my friends and family I mean I met, I met my family a fair, fair few times that I'm, I'm in a bubble with them but um for the friends that I would regularly see and even part of that was like some of my work colleagues we would normally have gone round to each other's houses so we would all have cooked for each other uh, once or twice a week so just being able to serve each other in that kind of way. Of course, lockdown, I mean, we couldn't do any of that anymore. So um, that was one of the difficulties. Like, having, like I've, I've definitely seen some of my friendships and uh, work relationships um, that were also friendships. Um, certainly some of those have, have, have um, become a lot more distanced because of lockdown as well. Um, but of course, other contexts. So I mean, like to be just, just just being honest, like things like um, so I play online games, and this has been a great time to connect with other people that I didn't realize also played online games. But we've realized through talking that we actually play the same games, so and now we play play those same play we play those games with each other um, instead. So it's it's created it's 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 brought more time and space for those other contexts texts for relationships and friendships to happen and to be maintained um, uh, to then happen as well. So that's, that's helped uh, there um, as well. So I don't know. I'm like, I, I, I feel like my life taking the marriage and spousal thing out of the picture. Like I, I wonder what my lockdown life would have looked like had I moved in into a flat or a house with a few other single friends, let's say like a few, a few of my, uh, guy, guy friends like would lockdown have been well obviously it would have been very, very different but would I have enjoyed it more 
um, were I in a house full of other people um, who were neither my family nor a spouse either? What would that have looked like? Nancy, how about you? I'm really surprised by Jan's and Josh's answers. It sounds really Yeah, pleasant. I feel like you, you were expecting this to be a really long topic, weren't you? I was, I was, because... So, <laughs> at the start of lockdown, I was in communication with both of um, both Josh and Jan separately. Um, and our experiences are very different compared to families or people that have housemates because we all all three of us we all live by ourselves um but I think for me personally some of the challenges have been that crazy amount of screen time the crazy amount of eating alone um and actually it wasn't until I think oh when was it just just really later on, maybe October, um, when I saw a BBC short sound clip um, video thing about how people are touch starved. And I thought I was the only one. But clearly, there's a lot of people that live by themselves that do miss hugs, that do miss having that close proximity of another human being um, walk by them or, or just to, you know, just to feel connected, um, even through, you know, a high five or a pat on the back. And so I think for me, definitely like it has, the lockdown has highlighted to me, my singleness, um, the, the fact that I do value my friendships and having that quality time, um, and how much I need community around me. Um, and it has actually opened my eyes as to, yeah, why do I stay in this city? Okay, my job, but surely I can just do my work away from this city now. I can be close to family. I can move back home if I wanted to. And and so I think I think it's definitely painted a picture of how like singleness wasn't as big of a deal compared to now in lockdown. Um, I think, I think loads of people have, you know, it's lockdown has made them realize, yeah, I, I do need someone or also it has also shown people, oh, I don't think I can cope with this person. And then people split up. Um, and so, yeah, there have, there have been moments of make and break, but definitely for some of us, well, for me, it has highlighted to me that desire and that need. Yeah, to have that, yeah, accountability. Because let's be real here: if um, if it isn't for my job, I will just sleep the whole day. <laughs> yeah, if I don't have a meeting in the mornings. Something else for me as well, though. I mean, this might sound cliche, but I think lockdown has really helped me develop a deeper reliance on God. Yeah. As well. Yeah, I and agree. There. I think all that extra time, like not traveling, not having to. Uh, go to the office. Uh, uh, so I mean, traveling like to other cities for work, as well as then the, just the normal commute times during the day as well. 
Um, I found that like just being able to work from home has been a lot more efficient because I'm not distracted by my colleagues talking to me or me me pestering them as well. But then all extra time is like it needs to go somewhere. And for me, it's like it's in those moments where I'm like, oh, okay, I've got nothing to do today, or I've finished my work for the day. Now what do I do before I cook dinner? Um, then it's like, well, okay, let me spend a bit of time praying then. Let me spend a bit of time re- reading scripture. And mm. it's been through that that you then find relationships that's not just work based or even just socially socially based well. I mean like in a sense I think talking and and meeting with God actually does function a little bit in a social sense it does meet that need of relationship in a way that is in a sense similar to to meeting another human being but I think also transcends that as well in in, in and in some ways is more satisfying and it's different um but I think lockdown one of the things that helped that one of one of the um hidden benefits was that because it forced me to seek that from God as well it's helped me develop a deeper reliance on him for not just to, to kind of assuage my loneliness, but just out of all of my circumstances. So even when it came, came to then my, um, my bigger uh, work projects that happened during the summer and then realizing that those things had to happen online as well, um, realizing that I couldn't be physically present to run those projects and they all happened happen virtually meant that that reliance got transferred onto God there as well. I need God to be the one that helps me get a lot of things done in spheres and in geographies and in um, aspects of the way those work projects and conferences and events work that I'm I, I am I'm in not no control of but in much much more diminished control of as well so as as, as challenging lockdown has been as someone who's li- who lives by himself it's also been a time to then develop a stronger connection to God um partly out of response, but I think also just out of opportunity of that as well. So some of my, I mean, I uh, I met my wife at 16, so I have no experience of, of dating at all. But um, speaking to some of my single friends uh, as they become adults and, and not like teenagers or students, it feels like there's a lot of, in Christian circles like this, I want to call it received wisdom, but it, it feels like it's not always that wise. Um, but there's 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 this sense of like, oh well, um, you must like I don't know what it is. There's this I there was this purity movement idea of like you court someone instead of you date them, right? And like there's there's all these there's all these like Christian ideas about dating, but I don't know if they're always like biblical or well founded. Um, or healthy so i don't i don't know maybe if you guys can share your thoughts on, on dating or your experiences of dating um and maybe how do you do that as a christian oh ansi and josh you need to go first because i have way more secular dating than christian dating stuff <laughs> That's okay. I've, I, I, as I said, I've, I've hardly dated in my life, so I, I don't have much to share in terms of experience and stories here. Is there a reason for that? Uh, not. Like, is there a reason for that? Is that another version of like why are you still single? <laughs> yeah, basically, right. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so I meant, I meant, like, do you, do you have a, a like a, a philosophy behind? that or is that just circumstantial oh right so i I said i said last week that um i i my last like official relationship was was a while back but that since then i've been on dates with people 
but I've not been in like an official dating relationship. And I think part of that is just like my kind of conception of how people understand dating today right now in our part of the world is that if you're dating, then basically you are in a completely exclusive relationship where uh, there's a lot of commitments and there's a lot of, um, uh, basically you are preparing for marriage in there. And by and large, I, I, I'm fine with, with, with that as a understanding that people have like generally as as when you when, when people say that they're, they're dating each other and that's that's what you understand but for me the problem with it is that is that it, it doesn't really create much opportunity for people to for for, for, for a guy and a girl to just get to know each other hmm. before you even get to that stage but it feels like you need to be officially dating that person to even get to know them which is why for myself i've given myself permission and this has only been in the past few years to to take girls on dates but to make it very, very clear to them and to myself that we're not dating, like we're not boyfriend and girlfriend as a result of that. Um, and so that's given, that's, that, that's allowed me and hopefully them as well to understand that, yes, we are, we are doing this in the sense of like, uh, we are, we are, well, no, but this, this is basically to help both of us get to know each other as friends, as people first and foremost. So there is no romantic intent in there the intent behind it is friendship and understanding and getting to know, to know someone that I don't have a, a shared context with them to get to know them otherwise. So with other girls that I ha- that I know in my life who are my friends already, then I get to know them in those other settings anyway. So whether that's at church or at work or wherever it is, um, I, I, I've not, te- well, I've taken some of them on dates, but uh, I, I, the whole process of getting to know that person has been a lot more organic and has not had to be engineered using the device of dating as a result, uh, in, that, in that sense. But for other girls that either, either I've shown interest in or they've shown interest to in me, then then yes, I've taken them out on dates because there is no other way for me to organically and naturally get to know them. I had to engineer a way and therefore mm. I had to take them on, on dates instead. Um, so for me then, understanding that there is this public perception of if you're in a dating relationship, that it's at that level of commitment, then I want to be careful with that because I, ne- I, I neither want to um, in- invest prematurely and neither do I want to give the impression to a false impression to a girl that I'm, uh, air quotes, dating at that point to think that I'm that I'm committed when I might not be actually. And so... Um, yeah, so that's been kind of my, my experience for the past past few years, where I've 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 tried to make it clear. Well, so in my in my dating uh, life, um, I've not had any girlfriends officially, like capital G in that sense. Um, but but I've, yeah, I've taken girls on dates, but none of them have progressed towards um, being an official boyfriend and girlfriend stage. If you see what I mean. I think my advice would be. When you have a friend who you want to consider, um, obviously, my practical advice would do to be pray, really pray. Um, and I think that, yeah, Josh, you are right. You you do need to be intentional in getting to know each other. Um, but yeah, you also need to be very careful um, to guard both of both individuals to guard your heart um, from and guard each other's hearts actually to prevent any it's just important to be clear from the start um, that this is me 
like we, I just want to get to know you um because it, it it can be such a tricky thing actually there's a lot at stake if if things aren't communicated um but yeah dating's a bit of a funny one i think especially for single people um obviously it's it's good to get to know someone but you do have to go in with accountability and support from other individuals that will pray and also hopefully give you some advice but but yeah it's what was your question ben <laughs> well my my line of thinking was more like do christians get it right or wrong in general when 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 we talk about dating and relationships okay so as a as a non-christian person who started out life not knowing god not knowing jesus um until much until a lot later in life i am really pleased that i started off that way rather than being a christian child or a christian teenager because from what i see in the church there's a lot of pressure in terms of being single as a kid or as a teenager and the things that you're supposed to do and not do and blah 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 and it makes and it makes a situation that's already fraught with hormones and and you know appearances and what to do right and what not to do wrong even worse whereas as a secular non-christian person it was just much easier just to go with the flow and go to parties and you know and date people and you know and kind of i don't know discover the other gender without all these all those christian rules um i think, I think but why but why are there christian rules yeah i don't know <laughs> and and i and i and i kind of question if it i don't know if it backfires because because all those rules also i think you're also trying to fight against um biology in terms of you know you've got all these boys and girls want to wanting to get at each other but they're not they're not allowed or you know there's all these stuff that they're supposed to do um yeah i'm just pleased that i wasn't a christian teenager <laughs> um Uh, okay. Uh, I'm mm, see. <laughs> this is where I think that statement might cause the younger listeners to stumble. <laughs> yes, okay. okay, you can guys can edit this out however you want to do it. <laughs> so maybe maybe let me give my Christian teenager perspective um, to to balance that uh, yes. because. So, yeah. So, and I think, oh I think that. Not that the, I'm suggesting that people should go out and yeah, smoke Yeah. No. Yeah. I think I, I think I get what you're saying because um, there's definitely an element of uh, like whatever, I don't know, Christian lifestyle or I, I'm not sure what the, what the terminology is for it, but um, there's like, like I mentioned earlier, the, there was the purity movement, which was a big thing um, at the, in the early 2000s where it was like, um, it was it was kind of ostensibly about not having sex before marriage, but there was also like this this whole 
like structure of how you should approach the opposite sex, all these other um, rules and um, oh, I guess guidelines that that made it very difficult, I think, for 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 Christians within that movement to um, to I guess explore, but in maybe in a in a safe Christian way. Um, for my own experience, uh, I grew up as a in a conservative evangelical church, but um, we we didn't really. I guess I don't know. I think there weren't a lot of teenagers around, so there wasn't a lot of um, harsh or strict teaching on relationships. Um, so I never felt like pursuing a relationship was a thing to even question. Really, uh, I don't think anyone. Uh, I don't think anyone would even have suggested. Oh why are you even why are you even talking to that girl like uh and so i think i think for me i had enough freedom to um to to meet my wife and and start to to date her um but also with like a an understanding of biblically how we should approach relationships or maybe not a full understanding because you know teenagers are are dumb but um or I certainly was, but uh, at least an understanding of kind of what the Bible said versus like what the world said, and then not adding all these extra rules stacked on top. Because a young person, actually, they're not, their brain is still developing, actually. Um, their prefrontal cortex, they're going to make dumb decisions and they're not thinking with their heads. They're going to be thinking with their bodies. So under the umbrella of Christians and, you know, um, just seeking purity and holiness and having these guidelines to save yourself for your future spouse, to practice having boundaries is a wise choice. And it's, and it's a good thing to be practicing because, if you do end up dating um, and you do, you know, have a boyfriend and girlfriend, things can get so physical really fast. And yes, there have been a lot of people that I know that struggle with the temptations of purity, um, especially when they try out dating from a young age. And So, yeah. sorry, my question about boundaries then I guess is like how do you boundaries are good but are you following that boundary because you think it's wise or you think that's um how God wants you to live or are you following that boundary because your pastor or your youth leader or your parents told you to follow that boundary because I think if if you don't have an understanding of it in your own mind or if you don't agree with that boundary then there's nothing to stop you breaking it if if no one kind of finds out, you know. That's true. And I think that's where you see a lot of damage done because then there's this whole sense of shame attached to any mistakes made. And especially if those boundaries are not, I mean, we're not, not necessarily talking about um, like physical boundaries maybe. Maybe you're talking about things like, oh, don't be alone with the opposite sex for more than 10 minutes. Uh <laughs> 
if it's stuff like that and then you feel like oh no i i was in the i was talking to this girl for 20 minutes and, and or whatever it is you know and then you feel shame about that that's that's i think when it can be way too um too strict and i feel like some of these ideas of boundaries and stuff bleed over into adult relationships as well um which is kind of where i was going with my original yeah, it, it does. It does affect your future relationships. And these are, so your past dating life, your, you know, however much you've experienced when you've been with someone um, as boyfriend and girlfriend, you will have to carry that same baggage into your future relationships. And these are conversations that you will bring and you have to share even all the shame and all the guilt and all the drama with your future spouse. So I think that is one reason why boundaries should be set in place. It It's also saying to God, you know, I want to put God first and I, I want to choose a life of holiness, even in the midst of this relationship with this guy or this girl. So I think it is healthy to practice boundaries when you are dating, but I think that there is a need to, yeah, get to know someone better. Otherwise, you'll never be able to. Because, <laughs> yeah, Josh was right when he said um, he has to engineer it so that he gets to know someone as friends. But I think the important thing is to mention it up front first, um, not to lead someone on. I guess if we're, if we're commentating on like the, the modern way that we approach dating relationships then as a, as a whole process, because um, I, I, it's where for me I see that there is a, a lack of clarity in people understanding how do I even get to know a person as a friend before I ask them out to be my boyfriend or my girlfriend. So, like there's, there's, so there's a lack of clarity there already. And so because of the lack of clarity, it, 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 it then creates confusion between two individuals who then don't have a predetermined social construct for them to both work off of as a process so i mean i mean if we want to briefly go into like the history of dating because like even even courtship itself was kind of arisen out of this north american idea where to call upon someone was a guy who was interested in the girl would go to her her family house and with the permission of her parents he would then get to talk to her either in their family room or on, or on their porch so that was like an, a very very well understood process of getting to know someone and i'm not going to use the word dating at that point whereas now we call the entire process of getting to know someone and being in a romantic exclusive relationship with them dating but no one really knows how, how to then approach that and i think that's what then results in so much of the anxiety that means that no one well for a lot of us we end up not dating because then there's because of that lack of clarity of like if i ask someone to go on a date with me they might get the wrong impression and i don't want to give them the wrong impression right at the start and therefore it's safer to just not go about it in the first place which is what which is why for me it's taken me a while to work that out and then to then state kind of with, with some clarity so that they know that they're more comfortable i'm more comfortable and we're both kind of meeting in this meeting in the middle in the same place if you see what i mean um but I think, and I think with that, then as kind of like one part of the, of the dating narrative that is not clear right now, I think what's also not helpful is, I mean, I hinted earlier that we've got this concept of where if you're in a dating relationship with someone right now, your boyfriend and your girlfriend, I do think that the modern West has this inflated, but I think perhaps just it's better just to say that it's, it's, a, it's a very, very intense 
an over-invested understanding of, of how committed you are when you're in a dating relationship because there is a lack of understanding and awareness of how does the process of engagement and uh, and betrothal play into the process between moving from singleness through all the way through to being married because I think as because I as I've been trying to study a little bit more about like what is the biblical concept of of, of engagement and betrothal, it's 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 in that mo it's in that stage of the relationship like that commit that stage when you're committed to each other, and yet you're not actually a, you're not actually husband and wife yet. That that is really the foundations of what the marriage is. So even 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 within the the, the, the biblical the Jewish picture. Um, when a man and a woman were engaged to each other, when the bride price had been paid, at that point, the husband could actually call um, the woman his wife. They couldn't sleep with each other. Like, they weren't even living with each other. They, they, it, it, like, that, that, that period of engagement was actually a time for the, uh, the eventual bridegroom to prepare a room in his father's house ready to accept um, ready to move into with his new wife, and so like that is that period of engagement was where they're really preparing for marriage, not the so-called or what we will now call dating phase in that sense. So they'd be getting to know each other, and there wouldn't be like any name I think that they call them called called their relationship when they're still getting to know each other, or even like when it's clear to everyone else in the in the village or in the community that oh yeah they're they're a couple. It's only when they get engaged that that label goes on them. And I think we've now kind of transposed that label of committed and almost the stage of covenantal to this dating phase that we now have. So that it so and, and because of that, I think it's really, really easy for people to overcommit themselves during that dating phase. They may not even know themselves or each other or very, very well. But because they're now dating each other, suddenly it feels like they're committed and to break out of that would feel like you're breaking out of a uh, like a pre-covenant or an engagement even in that sense if you see what, if you see what I mean so I, I do think like to help single people navigate those dating waters better it, 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 there, there does need to be some kind of address of understanding what are our modern um, uh, what, what are our societally accepted uh, notions and processes uh, and manners of of going on dates and actually do we even understand like the biblical concept of, of engagement to help us understand the movement from growing in from being an acquaintance to friendship to to, to engaged and then to married it's just labels then isn't it uh, well i wouldn't put it quite that cynically uh, i think it's it's being aware of how what level of faithfulness have you committed to show this other person? And I think a lot of people are end up getting like again. I, I see different people reacting differently to the label that they have in each of those situations. So like you get some people who are completely happy to be in a dating relationship and end up like stalling or delaying getting engaged and therefore getting married because they feel like, oh yeah, I'm dating someone. Like I, I'm happy to just be in a relationship where I know that person is committed to me, but I don't want to overcommit to the point of marriage where I can't break out of it anymore. Like I, I want that freedom that's in there. And so dating ends up becoming this 
this modern or this modern device or this pseudo um, uh, uh, covenants where you you kind of hold the other person to being in a committed relationship to you, even though no vows have been made, no commitment to be engaged as person and taking taking them as your spouse has been made. But you're still exclusively boyfriend and girlfriend, though. But what does that mean? That you are trying to seek and see if this is going to lead down the path of marriage, no? I agree with that as a principle, but in reality, how many people do we see actually Mm. going through the dating, as in the the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with that limit in mind? Because like you said, like a lot of people when they're when they're in that boyfriend-girlfriend stage, they may overstep those physical boundaries. They may overstep those emotional boundaries. They may overstep those intellectual boundaries. And so you see that they're not they're not in- engaging with that dating process as trying to work out, do I trust this person enough to sleep with them? They're, they're like they're, they're already like exploring something that looks like a spousal relationship or has elements of a spousal relationship, even though that spousal commitment hasn't been made yet. And so I, I, but the thing is, I don't necessarily blame them for, for like uh, 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 exploring those boundaries. It's because those boundaries haven't been set well. And so, yes, you can say that they're just labels, but I think the lack of clarity on what those labels mean in terms of how committed to are we to each other, how faithful am I allowing myself to, to be to this person? That lack of clarity is what's creating a lot of confusion and mess and therefore lots of anxiety and holding people back right now. Yeah, I think that's really good. I, I agree with you um, from my non-single perspective. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's there's it's skewed the wrong way. Like there's this whole long period of of dating but not ready to get married. But actually, in what way functionally are they different for the way that that relationships work in in society now? If, if you're not looking at Christians. Mm. Um, that it's it's no different it, even in the way that that people will will say um to to me oh is that your partner like they yeah. don't ask wife anymore because it's just it's less common i guess to 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 be married than it is to to be in a long term relationship um so yeah i totally agree so i mean we've we've kind of talked about this a little bit or you guys have shared a little bit but um how do you think the church community uh, could better support single people, um, especially during this kind of pandemic lockdown. I, ha- I have I have an answer for not in lockdown. Okay, um, start with that. I think I think lockdown is just has, just makes things a lot more complicated. So so I don't know about where you guys are living, but in so in Bristol, the single Christian people are scattered throughout the churches. And it's a lot more difficult for the single Christian people to find each other because they're all in different different churches. And so and there's there's from what I can see in Bristol, there isn't really any kind of single people ministry type thing. And so what's happened in Bristol is that there's been I think there's been a couple of meetups um, that have sprouted from people just recognizing that single Christian people need to gravitate and find each other. Um and that that in itself means that there's a gap in in church in church life that is not being addressed um because because there there aren't any activities there aren't any 
you know, there isn't any kind of forum or platform or anything like that for single Christian people to find each other for friendship or relationship or, you know, to just hang out and do activities together. Um, So I think for church to recognise that there is a missing part of their congregation that they're not addressing, that they're not, that they are not um, investing their time with and also that they're not providing fellowship for um, just that recognition and, and doing something about it. Cool. Yeah, that's, 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 well, it's not cool that, uh, <laughs> that there's a need for it, but it's a good insight, I think. And um, I think it, it just raises awareness um, of the fact that, yeah, I guess singleness is often overlooked as a, um, yeah. as a stage of life. Yeah. Oh, I need to add something. Um, and so, and also a recognition that, is this the case? That statistically, single, there's going to be more females experiencing singleness than men because of the statistics of Christian men versus Christian women. Um, and this is going to horrify some people. But I heard somebody say once that if every Christian man was to get married, there'll be two Christian women who won't be able to get married. Oh, my gosh. So Unless you're married. a Mormon and then... Huh? Unless <laughs> you're a Mormon and then it's... Unless you're a Mormon, yes, yes. Polygamy. And that, and that is not accounting age. So you have to take out... You have to take out all the under-18s, males, and you know, and obviously age brackets that, that, that as a woman that you don't want to consider, you know, people in their eighties, nineties, whatever. So, yeah. And so this is also an issue because for women, they are also faced with, okay, if there's no Christian men in my church or within my vicinity or ability to better meet they are kind of forced also to think about dating a non-Christian man and marrying a non-Christian man. Wow. That's so depressing to hear that stat, Jan. Yeah. So there needs to be a recognition in the church that 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 this is an issue. Mm. Yeah, we need more Christian men. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I don't have anything else to say on that depressing Sorry, but yeah. Guys, we need more men discipled. We need we need more evangelism amongst the male population. <laughs> okay, uh let's move on to Josh. <laughs> um I mean if we're talking about the church community then I mean I can only really speak from the Chinese church community and I, I think there's kind of a double whammy there because obviously we're talking about uh uh the British the British Chinese um, Heritage Church, then you've got um, both of those kind of cultural systems coming into play. So you've got this Western idea where um, uh, individualism is really, is really strongly at play. But I think also the Chineseness also means that it's really hard for, for, for guys and girls to mix from that slightly more like Asian conservatism kind of kind of viewpoint as well. So I think one way that the British Chinese Church can really respond to that is to create spaces where single people can just meet with each other. Because I think that like enough advice has been given on encouraging married couples to kind of like 
spiritually adopt a single person and to like to look after them and whether that single person is going to be someone that's a student in your city or whether it's just someone who's um who's a working adult but they've moved to your city for work so they're away from their family they they, they don't have um any they've not made any friends in your in your church or in your city yet and um because of how difficult it is because of those different barriers that we've just I've just kind of mentioned um there is kind of an opportunity and in, in a sense a responsibility for you to to reach out to those individuals and to befriend them and to give them a way to form a spiritual family um, whilst they're still building that up for themselves as well. Um, but besides that, which again, I mean, that's, that's been said a lot for people, I think single people can also start to learn to look after, look after each other as well. Mm. So especially like within the Chinese church, the idea of age seniority is something that exists even though it's not really verbalized and recognized very much of. So like if you're older and you're single, then in a sense, there is already like a societal opportunity for you to be the one that can legitimately, as in like that's society accepted, socially accepted within your community, to bring all the single people together, not for the purpose of like like to to like see who you want to date or like for any kind of specific romantic intent. That might come as a byproduct of it, a very, very happy byproduct of it. But the point is again, just to create that idea of family for people who are lacking in familial connection um in that in that time whether that's under lockdown or whether that's just under normal times anyway um i think there is a way for um married people and those families to um both look after individuals as kind of like as a way of providing family for for, for those people whilst they don't have it but also for single people to then become brothers and sisters to each other not boyfriend and girlfriend each other necessarily at that point but to just create create spaces where those groups can happen and i think at that point um because we're chinese i think actually age does play a part in that so old people have a chance to to then be the big brother or the big big sister that brings people mm. together at that point um as as well and i think for churches like i think there's a lot of angst amongst um older couples to think like well if i'm going to create let's say like um a, a fellowship just for young uh, people who are working who aren't who, who may or may not be be be, be dating or married um, but principally to look after people who are single so that they have a space to gather. It may feel like a lot of work, but I think in my experience of running things for, for that, running events for that kind of age demographic, well, I've realized that you've just got to open up the space and they will fill it with their, with, with just like their, their, their chats, their communication. There's actually not that much for you to do apart from, apart from to facilitate. You don't really have to like, have to heavily invest in talking to them all and serving them they will naturally because they desire this that um fellowship and companionship and friendship so much they'll 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 create it themselves you just got to create a space for them mm. what do you think Ansi? i think yeah i completely agree <laughs> um but advice to the church community or married people i think Yes, adopt uh, a single person, but at the same time, I also want to hear from the rest of the church community and the married people the ins and outs of what they are struggling and what they are going through. Because many times, I think everyone likes to paint a good picture that, yeah, my marriage is going so well. Look at this awesome family portrait on my Facebook um, but the best friendships I've had are with people that have been upfront and honest and open about their struggles in their marriage and that it isn't as 
you know, picture perfect, holy grail type of thing as what the world paints it as. And so I think that, yeah, it is good to see, you know, those struggles. And and I want to be part of life where we can see all of that, the the good and the bad. Do you know what I mean? So so I think the fact that I can do life and and see how hard it is to raise children, that kind of that kind of does put me off a bit of, you know, oh, I don't know if marriage is is, is all that's uh you know, it it's not adver- you know, it's it's important to advertise it in this way. Um and show show me that it's not gonna be perfect. Um and am I would I be ready for such a thing? Do you know do you know what I mean? So that's how I think married people can support singles as well. By letting us support you. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess our last question then. Uh, do you have any advice for other singles who are struggling? The advice is... Um, it's actually something that I learned from reading Tim Keller's book on uh, he called so the book is called The Meaning of Marriage. And um basically what he says, what Keller says is that uh the 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 kind of principal issue um amongst single, young single people right now, um isn't that they it's basically that they don't they don't know about marriage enough. And so the one of the reasons why he writes the book is he's trying to educate single people on what the meaning, the purpose, the function, the peculiarity, um, and in a sense also the mystery of what marriage is. Because his, his, his rationale is that it's because we don't know about marriage, it's because we don't know enough about marriage that we either want it too much or we want it too little. And neither of those states are are, are actually are actually good. So, like, you, if you want it too much, then you, you it may be that you don't you don't actually have a good awareness of the work that's required. You may not have a good awareness of um, the the idea of being married to if if you're if you're if you're a guy who's married to to a woman, then that woman is going to be very very different to you. But understanding that there is actually a purpose and a complexity and a, and, and a beauty to that otherness is required. Because otherwise, you're going to go into it just meeting someone and being married to someone who is actually very, very different to you, being shocked by that, and, and, and you end up failing to, 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 to understand and love and care for that person in the end. And of course, the flip side is that if you don't want marriage enough, then it's because you don't re- you've not actually been taught like the beauty of it, the the, the value of it, the goodness of it, and, and 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 its necessity to be able to raise children in a healthy environment, um, not just for yourself but also for your community, for society, and for you to contribute within that societal um, uh, development as well. And so, Keller, like he, he, he his his main thing is if you are single learn about marriage because it's only by learning about marriage and understanding what it is that you'll really understand what it means for you to be single and to to live healthily as a single right now with um neither neither despising it but neither wanting but but neither um uh uh remaining single for the wrong reasons as well can i add to that yes of course um it's it's is it an answer to your question and not exactly exactly an extension to uh, what Jocelyn said, I think 
I think my advice would be to be kind to yourself um, and to accept where you are now um, and to know that your state isn't permanent. And um, so to and also to realize that that being single is actually a gift um, and to enjoy it for as long as you can. Um, and I think a really important thing is is to is to is to build self awareness about who you are, and um, so you know, kind of like we said last week, so that you know, you know, kind of what makes you happy and what your triggers are for getting low and things like that. So that so that if you do eventually get into a relationship or into marriage, then you can communicate that to to your partner, and um, it's not. It's not up to them to make you happy. Um, it's that self knowledge uh, that will um, help the relationship along. Yeah, and know that you're know that you're 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 complete in Christ, and that you're worthy, and that you're valuable on your own. And and be picky. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I say that in part, in part of be picky because one, if it doesn't work out, then you then you've only got yourself to blame. At least you know what's to blame at that point. But I think secondarily, like um, it's 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 a, it's an idea where yeah, uh, it, it does it does allow you to make to make to make wise, wiser choices. Like we we do we do thankfully live in a part of the world where we get to um, marry for love and not for any secondary reasons, or it's not forced, it, it was, marriage is not forced upon us either. Um, so I think the, the freedom to be picky is, 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 in, is in a sense a good one, because I'd, I'd rather people um, marry wisely rather than end up getting into unhappy marriages. Like, I think there are, there are probably people out there who are unhappy in their singleness right now, but if they end up making a choice that results in them being even more unhappy with their marriage, then I, I don't think that's what anyone really wants for themselves um, either. Mm. Ansi? I think, yeah, single people, those that struggle, um, yeah, I totally agree with Josh there. If you do end up getting married <laughs> to someone <laughs> that you're not meant to be with, um, it's, yeah, you need to be really careful basically um because it, and it's okay if things don't work out i see that as god protecting you from you know potential disaster basically um and i think you mean, you mean in, the date, in the dating phase in the date sorry sorry dating right. phase yeah yeah in the dating phase um and i think i think it's important to try to see if it works and if it doesn't that's okay yes like how else will you grow and how else will you learn what you like or dislike um unless you try and so i think i think it's important to i don't want to say experiment because experiment will imply that you know there's negative connotations there that it's all like for science but actually it's it's just trying testing the waters to see if this relationship is for you as friends first um and to prayerfully consider it but at the same time you know it's okay like it's okay if you can't um but 
yeah, take risks. But also make sure you have support and accountability um, and guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 is one of my favorite verses. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Um, and, And that's important because the moment you don't guard your heart, then, you know, all the the waves of water just flushes in and it just gets really complicated. Yeah. So that's my advice to the singles that are struggling and um, with their singleness. Have an outlet. Yeah. Make sure God is um, the first and foremost focus. Yeah. And have God be the one that you look to. Surrender your singleness daily if, if, if you do struggle. Okay. Well, thanks to our guests, Jan and Josh, this week. Thanks yeah. for joining us, guys. Thank you so much, Josh, Josh and thanks. Jan. Thanks for having thanks us. It's been great. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you. It's such a good discussion. I'm, I'm actually really thankful for my single friends. Um, I don't know where I'd be without them. It's always good to moan to them. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week with a new topic and a new episode and some new guests. If you do want to continue this discussion, uh, by all means, uh, get in touch with myself or Ben or even with Josh or Jan um, and would love to continue talking about this uh, with the rest of the world. But um, but if this has triggered a lot of stuff in your life, please, again, seek out um, church leadership or even for us as the pastoral team would be happy to yeah, just pray and listen um, to you voice your thoughts. Great. Until next week. Bye.